as we go through our lives and as we look at things in our lives, there's always truth, there's always error. If I tell you here that this is an eagle, and as you see the photo, would you agree that this is true? Or would you say that this is a horse, a flying horse? As the picture indicates here, this eagle is going upside down, flying upside down. Sometimes the truth is just like the, this eagle. It's upside down, down in every place, and we don't know what to do. I'm going to be in John chapter 18, verse 28 to 38, if you want to mark your Bibles there. John 18, 28 to 38. What is truth? As we continue seeking what is truth to us, Jesus Christ was asked, what is truth? In verse 33, it reads, Then Pilate entered the praetorium again, called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus answered him, Are you speaking for yourself about this? Or did others tell you concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Verse 37 says, Pilate therefore said to him, Are you the king then? Jesus answered, You rightly, you say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Are you hearing his voice? And what's the only way that he talks to you? Through scriptures. Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again to the Jews, and he said to them, I find no fault on this man, on him at all. See, this conversation between Jesus Christ and the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate, it may have been the last intimate and personal conversation that Jesus had with another individual before he was crucified. But these two men have opposing agendas. Pilate comes across as to he is bothered for being placed in the middle of what he sees as a religious dispute between the Jews. We can see this with his sarcasm and his short answers. And it reveals that he's irritated because he's in, in the middle of this. 
Jesus, on the other hand, he's using this conversation to reveal his true identity to Pilate. Is he revealing his true identity to you and me today? When asked if he really is the king of the Jews, Jesus affirms that he is. You say rightly that I am a king. See, he didn't say straight out, I am the king. He's saying you. He's being a lawyer here. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus tells him to Pilate about his mission. Coming into this world, was going, he was going to the cross and dying to bear witness to the truth. Pilate asked a cynical question. What is truth? Of course, this is a rhetorical question. Pilate did not want to answer. And he did not even wait around to receive one. It's probably what is true for you may not be true for me. How many times have we heard that when we are teaching on the streets. Your truth might not be my truth. Don't talk to me about truth, for truth cannot really be known. See, Pilate, at this time, he threw away the glorious opportunity to know the truth himself, and the truth was standing right in front of him. He looked the truth in the face, and he refused to see it. How blind are we? And what does he do? He walks away. And he is forever lost in his sins. I submit to you, don't do that with your life. Don't be forever lost in your sins. What is the perception of the truth? Pilate therefore said to him, are you a king then? Pilate's question shows that he had no grasp of the truth. The Bible gives us enough information about the truth that we can answer the question for ourselves. So as we look at this text, of the 222 verses in the Bible that contain the word truth, 22 or 10% is found in the gospel according to uh, John. What is truth? Was Pilate thinking, was it influenced by the empty philosophies of his day? We got plenty of empty philosophies today. Truth was unknowable and unattainable. That's what they were, the philosophers were saying. So it seems like Pilate at this time had come to believe what many in his day believed. Some of us have come to believe what the world has to say about truth. There is no absolute truth. 
as we are in America, we're in the same shape today. We are living in a day where almost no one believes in absolute truth. In the nation, 67% of adults agree that there is no such thing as absolute truth. This is adults. Much worse is in the fact that 52% of Christians think that truth is relative. This is among Christians, quote unquote. They believe that what is true for one person may not be true for another. According to another survey, over 75% of professing Christians cannot accept the idea of absolute truth. Are these sad statistics? This is within people that call themselves Christians. Our culture has nothing to believe. They don't have anything that they can believe in if it starts with us. You know, you and they can believe whatever they will, but there is absolute truth. Jesus stated that he came to bear witness to the truth. And I know people say, well, I didn't see Jesus. Did you see him? I said, no. But by faith, I know that what he left us written in this book is truth. So what is truth? In the translation, it means that that which is accurate or true in any matter under consideration. It is the opposite of that which is feigned, fictitious, or false. There is truth called the law of gravity. We have learned all that when we fall, even if you don't believe in it. This law states that whatever goes up must come down. If you reject it as just being my truth, then if you want to decide to test it, test this theory, throw your child from the top of your house, and you will learn and you will prove that there is absolute truth about gravity. Because you may believe it with all your heart, it does, does not make it so. Truth is something that is always, always true. Jeremiah 17:9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? See, I believe that black is black, white is white, left is left, and right is right. And some of you are holding absolute truth in your hands right now. Some have them in your home. If there is truth and truth can be known, then how can we learn this truth? Truth can be known, then how can we learn it? Now, those who, of us who are saved, we have the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Jesus tells us three times in the John's Gospel that the Spirit of God is the Spirit of truth. 
John chapter 14, verse 17, chapter 15, verse 26, and chapter 16, verse 13. John 16, 13 tells us, however, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you in all the truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. The spirit is what is guiding us. The spirit is truth. It will re reveal the things of God to us. And he will be teaching us the truth. See, most of us believers are in a better position to learn the truth. And sometimes we shy away from it. The spirit of truth lives within you and within me. What is the power of truth? Verse 37, Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I have come into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Jesus tells Pilate, there is absolute truth, and he's standing right in front of him. And this truth has power. Truth, when it is perceived, it touches the heart of God's children and draws them to him. John chapter 3, verse 20 and 21. And he doesn't just touch the believers. He touches those who are in the world. But there's a difference. We, as believers, as Christians, as followers of Christ, it touches us and we change our ways. And most of the world runs away from the truth. When we come to him and we embrace this truth, that he is truth, they can and will experience its power in their lives. You know, sometimes we are so afraid of the spirit within us because other denominations have made a big show of it. But he lives within us. We should be happy. We should be glad. So let us notice what is absolute truth. See, truth that has power, and it has power to liberate. John chapter 8, verse 32 says that the saying of Jesus might be fulfilled, which he spoke, signifying by what death he would die. When Jesus said this here, He's telling his hearers that the truth has power to deliver them from their bondage of sin and of the law. He would literally set them free in Jesus. See, when you and I come to know the truth, you come to know something that sets captives free. This truth transforms shattered lives and ruined lives and makes us whole again because it fills men with the love of God. See, you and I throw that word 
I love you, I love pizza, I love tacos. But the love of God is without asking anything for it. You don't have to do anything to earn it. He loves it. He loves you. He loves me. See, most of us will say, I will love you if you do this for me. Or if you treat me good, I will treat you good. That's how we consider love. But God's love is all encompassed on what he will do for you no matter what you do to him. There's no condition. Ours is conditional love. The peace of God and the joy of God is what brings into ruined lives and shattered lives. Truth has the power to separate. In these verses, Jesus is praying for his disciples and for us too. And he says in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth. Separate them. The word sanctify means to render something holy, to dedicate it, or consecrate something to God. Jesus says that the truth of God has the power to cleanse us and to make us more like his heavenly and our heavenly father. Ain't that, don't they just run chills through your body when you think about those things? He's cleansing us. No matter how bad we are, no matter how we act during the week, we ask for forgiveness, and he cleanses us. See, it's been said, sin will either keep you from this book, the Bible, or this book will keep you from sin. It's you choose. The will, the free will that God gave us, he didn't make us robots. He gave us a free will. We choose to serve and to obey, or we choose to disobey. It's like the children. Either they choose to obey what the parents have taught them, or they can disobey it. Those of you who are your children are not driving yet, you will find out when you hand them the keys, and they're going to go to a party or somewhere with their friends, and all you can do is they take off, you drop on your knees and you pray till they come back. Because now you're setting them free. Now you don't have control over them. They will obey or they will disobey. They, they can choose this. When you yield yourself to the truth of God's word and we walk in the spirit, it directs you and directs me. You will find that life becomes cleaner and more pleasing to God. His truth sets us apart and cleanses us up. You can look it up in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 6, and John 15, verse 7. Ephesians 5, 6, and John 15, 7. The truth has power to energize. Jesus tells the woman at the well, the truth will make you 
what you want to worship or what you will worship. John 4, 24, he says, God is the spirit, and those who worship him worship in spirit and in truth. There's the word truth again. Real worship in this case is we acknowledge him to be our everything. You know, sometimes our wives are everything to us. But this love coming from him doesn't have any conditions. Real worship arises out of the heart that has been saturated with his truth. Real worship comes when the Holy Spirit takes the truth of God and makes it clear to us. When we comprehend who Jesus is, what he has done for us, and what he's doing every single day, he will leave us prostrated in the foot of the cross. We will be humble, and we will just simply worship him. But when we don't understand the truth about who God is and what he has done, then our worship is distorted. Yeah, we come in Friday, I mean Sunday and twice Wednesday if we meet, and all we present to you is the nice part of us. We come right, we talk right. You know how we tell this story. You're coming from home. You get in the car with the kids. And you start having an argument with them. And then you start <laughs> with your spouse. And hair is everywhere by the time you get to the parking lot. And you get into the front door. And David says, how are you doing, brother? Oh, everything is great. Everything is great. And we just had a fight in the car. See, you only see the outside of us. Until we know the truth about him, we can not truly worship him. We must know the truth. There is nothing like the truth to put a fresh spark into your worship. Now, there's a personality about truth. Verse 38, Pilate said to him, what is truth? And he walks away. And what does he go? I find no fault in him at all. He's washing his hands. We have learned what truth is, why it is important, and what it can be to do to our lives. Now we need to know where to find truth. The Holy Spirit led John to write very plain for us. The scripture is truth. Everything either stands or falls right here on the scriptures. John 17, 17, as I read before, says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. If the Bible here is inspired, infallible, inerrant, word of God, as it claims to be, We read this all the time. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. 
all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness. I think I believe everything, but don't come and correct me. Have you ever felt that way? See, this is training in discipline. Then this scriptures, it is the final authority and the standard for all living life. Whether you're a believer or non-believer in the world or in the church. Second Peter 1.3 says, as his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. Not the opinion of man, not the musing of the philosophers of this time or past time, not the teaching of the great religious leaders, but the Bible is the final word in all manners of life. Everything has been given to us in these scriptures. If the Bible is wrong and it cannot be believed, with everything that pertains to life and godliness, then our foundations are destroyed. And we have no faith, no hope, and no rules. Psalm 11, verse 3. If the Bible is a lie, then there is no absolute truth. Yet we have raised a generation that has been taught to doubt the truth of this book. I was telling someone that you know, the kings in olden times, when they would conquer a nation, they would take all the young kids to their country and they would train them in their way. And within one generation, they brought them back and they had forgotten everything that the parents had taught them. And now they had it under their thumb. It was part of them. See, this is, we have taught some generations. A generation ago, we started with this. There's no absolute truth. And now we're paying for it. The Savior's truth. Is he really the truth? Jesus calls attention to the fact that he alone is the real deal. As I would say it. John 14, 14 6 says... Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yeah, I used to worship images because that's how I was raised. But now, I know that those images cannot take me to heaven because no one comes to the Father except through me. So in conclusion on this truth, what is truth? It is the difference between night and day. It is the difference between black and white. It is the difference between the saved one and the lost. What is truth? The Bible is truth. Jesus Christ is truth. And if you accept those as truth in your life, you have standards for living and risen to life, for life. See, 
those standards cannot be minimized. It has to be passed through generation through generation. I am here because somebody took the time to come to my house and show me the standard, which was Jesus Christ. But if you reject them as your standard, you have no absolute, absolute truth and no absolutes. And you can do as you please. Let us go have fun. Let us be merry. Lest tomorrow we die. It does not change the fact that the Bible is true and Jesus is still true. And the only way is just like the law of gravitation. You can go test it. The things of God are true whether you accept them or not. See, we have truth personified. In this picture, you see two parts. You see Jesus Christ in the cross. He went to the cross for you and for me. And he nailed our sins to the cross. And if we repent of whatever we are sinning, then that blood will cover our sins. And I'm not talking of one saved, always saved. Is there must be repentance. Then he was buried for three days in a tomb, and then he arose. Same thing with us when we confess that he's the Son of God. Our sins are nailed to the cross. And he will not remember them no more. Then, as a symbol of his death, we are buried underwater. And when we come out, out of the water, we walk in units of life. And we start our life and our walk in Christ. Or we can reject him. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.